Hey y'all, we're rerunning two episodes today, which means you might hear two hosts. Enjoy the show. Welcome to this day in history class from HowStuffWorks.com and from the desk of Stuff You Missed in History Class. It's the show where we explore the past one day at a time with a quick look at what happened today in history. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy V. Wilson, and it's November 3rd. John Willis Menard was elected to Congress on this day in 1868. This made him the first Black American to be so elected, but Congress refused to seat him. Menard had been born in Illinois on April 3rd of 1838. He was born to free parents who were of French Creole descent. He went to college in Ohio and then started working as a journalist and then as a clerk in the Department of the Interior during the United States Civil War. During that war, he spent some time in Central America and some in the Caribbean. This included some time in Jamaica, where he met his wife and got married. He also took part in a rebellion there, after which he was deported to the United States and he moved to Louisiana. Once he was living in Louisiana, he established his own newspaper. It was called the Radical Standard, and it was a huge advocate for civil rights causes. Louisiana Representative James Mann died in office, and a special election was held to fill his seat. So John Willis Menard ran against Caleb S. Hunt, and Menard won. He won 64% of the vote on that election, which was held, as we said at the top of the show, on November 3rd, 1868. But Hunt contested the election, And when that failed to instead award it to him, he argued that Menard wasn't eligible to take his seat in Congress. Both men were invited to address Congress about this, but Menard was the only one of the two of them who did. He delivered a speech on February 27th of 1869. It started this way. Mr. Speaker, I appear here more to acknowledge this high privilege than to make an argument before this House. It was certainly not my intention at first to take any part in this case at all. But as I have been sent here by the votes of nearly 9,000 electors, I would feel myself recreant to the duty imposed on me if I did not defend their rights on this floor. I wish it to be well understood before I go any further that in the disposition of this case, I do not expect nor do I ask that there shall be any favor shown to me on account of my race or the former condition of that race. I wish the case to be decided on its own merits and nothing else. The decision was that he would not be seated. Future President James A. Garfield said, quote, it was too early to admit a Negro to the U.S. Congress. It was moved for the seat to be held vacant and the associated salary for it, which was $5,000, to just be saved. After all of this, Menard moved to Florida. He was appointed to the State House of Representatives there, and eventually he moved to Washington, D.C. and worked in the census office. So when this election happened in Louisiana, when Menard was elected, that was after the end of the United States Civil War, The 13th Amendment to the Constitution that outlawed slavery and indentured servitude, except in the punishment of a crime, that had been passed and it had been ratified. But the 14th and 15th Amendments, which addressed equal rights and citizenship and the right to vote for Black men, had not yet been passed or ratified. After the 15th Amendment was ratified in 1870, it gave Black men the right to vote and many more Black men were elected to public office as Menard had been. The first Black man actually seated in Congress was Joseph H. Rainey of South Carolina in 1870. 
And the first Black man elected to the Senate was Hiram Rhodes Revels of Mississippi, and he served from 1870 to 1871. However, Southern states in particular retaliated against Reconstruction and against these amendments to the Constitution. One of those retaliations was discriminatory voting laws and Jim Crow segregation. So by 1887, after these initial advances and getting equal representation for men in Congress, there were no Black members of Congress at all. Thanks very much to Christopher Hasiotis for his research work on this episode and to Casey Pegram and Chandler Mays for their audio work on the show. You can subscribe to the Stay in History class on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts, and you can tune in tomorrow for a massive military defeat. Greetings, I'm Eves, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that believes no day in history is a slow day. The day was November 3, 1793. Olympe de Gouche was sentenced to death and executed by guillotine. Gouche was a playwright and an activist who advocated for women's rights and the abolition of slavery. Gouche was born Marie Gouze in southern France in 1748. She married Louis Aubry, a man much older than her, in 1765, and they had a son together. But Aubrey died not long into the marriage, and Gouche vowed to never marry again. She became close to a businessman named Jacques Beatrix de Rosier, who set her up in Paris. He supported her for several years until his resources ran dry. Not a lot is known about her early education, but it is evident that she was mostly self-educated. She preferred to use secretaries to transcribe her literary work. Though she was often accused of being illiterate, she was knowledgeable about the ideas of the Enlightenment and familiar with the works of many philosophers. In Paris, she rubbed shoulders with famous writers and philosophers. Gouge herself wrote plays, novels, and socio-political pamphlets. By the late 1780s, she was believed to be the author of novellas and several plays in the style of drama bourgeois, which was popular in France in the late 18th century. Dramatist Louis Sebastien Mercier helped her navigate the Comédie Française, the national theater in France, and publish and stage some of her plays. Unlike other women playwrights at the time, Gouche chose to publish her plays under her own name and defy the standards of what content was appropriate for women to produce. Her early plays had mixed reviews, but her later plays, which were more political, produced stronger reactions. They often explore themes of injustice. Her play, The Generous Man, explored the political powerlessness of women. Her first staged production, originally called Zamor and Mirza, or The Happy Shipwreck, was accepted by the Comédie Française when it was submitted anonymously. But once they found out she was the author, the play was shelved. In it, two enslaved people were liberated. After revisions, the play was performed under the title Black Slavery or The Happy Shipwreck in 1789. Abolitionists praised the production, but some actors and French colonists tied to the slave trade protested. Since the play highlighted the inhumanity of slavery, some thought it would incite revolt in the colonies, and the play shut down after only a few performances. By this point, France was on the verge of the French Revolution. 
Gouge tried light comedy, but most of her playwriting was political and responded to contemporary issues. In her plays, she discussed girls who were forcibly sent to convents, imprisonment for debt, and the powerlessness of women in marriage. Through her plays, she often expressed the ideas that all women have agency, and the injustices that women face are tied to larger social ones. Still in her work, she negatively depicted revolutionaries and monarchists in the revolution. She was critical of the queen and king, but maintained the view that a constitutional monarchy was the best way to go for France. Gouge remained a monarchist almost until the end, when she became disillusioned by the monarchy's inaction. She was also a political activist outside of her socially charged literary work. She advocated for governmental and social reform in the press and in her pamphlets. She called for elimination of the sexual double standard, and she championed women's independence and access to political rights. She wrote The Rights of Woman as a response to the Declaration of the Rights of Man and of the Citizen, criticizing the document for its omission of women's rights. As the revolution ramped up, her writings became more charged. She published a poster called The Three Urns, calling for a plebiscite for a choice between a unitary republic, a federalist government, or a constitutional monarchy. She was arrested, and the Jacobins sentenced her to death for sedition and calls to reinstate the monarchy. Gouge was the only woman executed for sedition during the Reign of Terror, a period during the French Revolution marked by massacres and public executions. According to an obituary, she was also executed for, quote, having forgotten the virtues of her sex. I'm Eve Jeffcoat, and hopefully you know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you're hungry for more history, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at T-D-I-H-C podcast. Or you can go the old-fashioned route and send us an email at thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks for going on this trip through history with us. We'll see you again tomorrow with another episode. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.